The scripture reading for today is Matthew 9, 35 through 38. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching, their syn- teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they were faint and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Please pray pray ye, therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Ooh, bad location. I, I guess by now you're getting a little bit of a theme for the day. And uh, I want to continue with that. It's been many years since I've given a message to a congregation, so bear with me. Uh, some of it will become clear. Why I'm dressed like I am will become clear. Uh, but I wanted to start off with a picture. And it has to do with exactly what we just prayed it has to do with the Parsha from last week where uh, I believe it was Michael talked about everybody having different gifts in the body. And we've heard that message many, many times. But I want to apply it to you and me being ambassadors for God, for Messiah. And how those come together, your gifts, your callings come together so that you can actually not just be a believer, but do something in the kingdom of God that draws others into the kingdom. That's me. Not the tall guy. (laughs) I'm in the car. Um, That's two weeks ago. The tall guy in the back is my crew chief and friend Gary. Uh, He and his family actually go to Cherry Creek Presbyterian and uh, just so you know, just an aside, I've visited there a couple times because of their kids. I'm now Uncle Lee. But um, they constantly have Haim and this congregation on their prayer list. So especially for a Presbyterian congregation, that says something. So just so you know that this congregation is being prayed for, Haim is being prayed for by Cherry Creek Presbyterian. They're friends. Um, but in any case, yeah, that's me and... I'll get to why I'm showing a picture, besides the fact that it's kind of a cool picture. (laughs) Now we're going to even go further, and we're going to hit the first video. And unfortunately, there's no sound, so you kind of have to go vroom, vroom in your head. Again, this is two weeks ago. I wish there was sound, but... That's about seven and a half seconds. Want to hit the other one? This is just just from the other side, a different run. Now, it doesn't look like it in the video, but right at the finish line, I'm going around 180 miles an hour. That's why I have two parachutes. And we'll even talk about that some, too. Why am I showing this? I guess we can turn the lights on. 
I also do something else. If I didn't do something else at the track, it would just be a real expensive hobby. Way more than you could ever imagine. It's crazy. But I'm also, some of you know, you see me leave at about noon on some Saturdays, especially during the summer times, because I'm a chaplain out at the racetrack. And I know that because it says so on my shirt. <laughs> That's why you know, I have to wear it to remind myself sometimes. And uh, anyway, that's why I'm dressed today, just to show you what I do. And I go out there, and the car is a tool. The car opens doors. Do I love it? How do you explain what it's like to go 180 miles an hour in a quarter mile? It's an adrenaline rush. Nothing else. It, it's, it's really cool. A quarter mile. Now, get in your cars and go on 25 and measure a quarter mile and see how fast you're going if you floor it. And then triple it. And, and there's so many things that go on during that short period of time that it's... I, he, Gary has to tell me what to do because I have to concentrate so much. When I back up after I do the burnout, he tells me, don't forget this switch, this switch, this switch, because I have a lot of things going on, and I'll forget, other than the fact that I'm old. So he has to remind me of these things. But I have a decal that I made for myself, and I made, I think it was 25 of them. I'm part of a men's Bible study out at the track. The ministry out at Bandemir Raceway is like none other you've ever seen. We have... 20, 25 guys come out about once a month for a Bible study. These are racers. And think about the picture you get when you think racer. It's not this group of people. They need the Lord, a lot of them. And we're out there day after day, year after year doing this. And we've started a Bible study. John Bandemir is one of the coolest born-again believers you'll ever meet. And even today, this race, and the reason his schedule has changed was because of me, because I have to get out of here, and I'm going to fly over to Bandemir, hopefully not getting a ticket. And I've already missed the first qualifying, and I'm hoping I get there for the second qualifying so I can actually race today. Um, but he is just extraordinary. This guy has more guts. He is an evangelistic type, and I, I'm in awe of him because I'm not. I am the world's worst. You put me with my gifts and calling and into Linda's shoes, and we're talking massive destruction on the level of St. Helens, Mount Vesuvius. I mean, other than standing in the background and just praying for these people, I'm a total zip. Put me in that atmosphere. It's different. It's different because God's taken my loves, my gifts, my calling, and he plopped me right there. And I'm so accepted. We're, we're a normal part of a track. And you don't see that. You just don't see it. Uh, Ken Webb, who is actually resigning as Division Five director for RFC, that's racers for Hamas. Uh, 
<laughs> I'm not allowed to say what it really is because of James. But um, I've tried to change it, to get them to change it to Messiah, but they won't because I'm the only Jewish believer in the country in, in this group. Uh, but he graduated from Denver Seminary, and, and I just want you to know you intimidate him. He's heard of you. He's, he doesn't have any classes with you. He's, in fact, he's going back there to take more courses uh, for his chaplaincy. And he's, going to get, he's already got certifications and stuff. But we're there all the time, and we're accepted as a part of the track. Yesterday, I was over there because they allowed me to just drop my car off. So, and probably right about now, they're warming it up to get it ready for me because I'm going to have to run over there, pull my fire suit on, and go. But they let me park the car yesterday. So I went down. I was watching a friend, uh, Gary's wife, actually. Uh, she was testing. And the poor thing blew her motor up bad. It's total loss. But I was down there watching her. And this other couple had a, a dragster. And they were pulling up to test their car. And he looks at me really weird. And I, I don't even remember his name. But he, he was puzzled. And, I, and he looked at me and he said, did you change jobs or something? And I realized I was wearing my fast sign shirt because I own fast signs. And he's so used to seeing me in this shirt that he didn't know what was going on because I was doing the same things I normally do. I was walking around, shaking hands, saying hi to people. And that's what we do out there. And we've had people come to the Lord and it's the most astounding thing you ever see. Uh, I made these decals for my dash. I have it on my dash. And all it says is, remember, it's a tool for God. It's a tool for God. And that's what we're trying to get across to the racers. Race cars are infectious. Uh, they get into your blood if you're around them. And it becomes an idol. Real easy. Very, very easy. And we have to fight against it. So we talk about it. And I made these decals for people, not for the crowds to see, but for the driver to see so that they remember that this is a tool for them to use at the track so that they can be a witness for the Lord. They can be an ambassador for God. Make sense? So, you know, they've got their RFC decals on the outside if they want. That's for everybody to see. But on the inside, they have to remember that they're ambassadors for God and they need to act like it. Um, I, I, a little story, I guess it's two and a half years ago, I went out to test, and I made a run, and my parachutes didn't come out, and I was at 180 miles an hour, and instantly, as soon as I hit my brake pedal, I knew I wasn't stopping, and so I, you gotta, you've only got a couple seconds and so you got to imagine, I'm in a car going that fast. I actually bruised my calf because I put so much pressure on the brake pedal. And my button for the parachutes is on my steering wheel. And I'm taking my eyes off the track and looking down to make sure I hit that dumb button. Because I, I, when my parachutes come out, it throws me forward. They hit so hard. And no parachutes. So... I, I, I realized I'm going into the gravel. I'm going into the pit. And I said, you know, I've seen people go into the pit. And this is all in a second, couple seconds now. I'm thinking this. And so I've seen people go in, and they just kind of break up the fiberglass a little bit, and that's the end of it. 
I hit the fiberglass, uh, the gravel, and I took off. I went in the air, slammed down, and there were no tire tracks. It was so hard, and that's how, I, if you notice, I have problems with my back. That's where it came from. And I hit the first catch net, and I went right through it. And we were estimating I hit the gravel at about 150. I went through the net at about 125, and it ripped my car around, and I came to a stop. Later on, my, I have a computer that registered a negative, over negative 6G hit when I hit the net, which would have snapped my neck, except for my head and neck restraint. I, I looked around. My glasses had come out and fallen on the floor, and I picked them up, and I didn't have any pain. I said, well, I'm still alive. And, and we just had a terrible, terrible accident, kind of similar two weeks ago, and the guy's still, in fact, they're just transferring to Craig. He had a brain injury and a lot of stuff going on. But the Lord was protecting me. I got out of the car, and I remembered. I said, you know, people get really angry. I turned around, and my front end was just totally destroyed. It, it was in pieces. And I said, well, everybody gets mad. And this is the honest truth. I said, okay, I guess I'm supposed to be mad. So I took my gloves off. <laughs> my helmet's... I don't even remember if my helmet, I think I had already taken my helmet off. And I took my gloves and I threw them inside my car. And then I stood there and said, that didn't help. <laughs> it's people need to see difference. They need to see a difference in you and they need to see a difference in me. How we react in different scenarios. So now that I've given all the preliminaries, I guess I should give the teaching. And it's not going to be long. It's going to be very short, actually, because I want to get one point across. And if you leave here today and you've got this one point, that's all I care about. And that point is that you and I are ambassadors for Messiah, <laughs> ambassadors for God. That's all I care about. That's all I want you to know. Now, that comes with good, and that comes with some responsibility. And I know everybody hates the R word. It's no fun to have responsibility. It means that we have to act like we're believers. That means we don't throw our gloves. We don't. I've seen people throw helmets. I've seen people get angry. I've, it's amazing how they think it's going to help them. And as I found out, it doesn't. It doesn't do a thing. You know, I should have been more happy. I sat there and said, wow, the Lord protected me. I came out of a massive accident with one bruise, a bruise on my calf, and the only thing was my tailbone got bruised uh, and a big bill. <laughs> but, um, okay, let's go back. Uh, in my case, it's drag racing. In your case, it could be a sport. It could be your job. It could be anything. Whatever you have, you need to look for ways to be an ambassador. You need to look for divine appointments. Everybody here knows divine appointments, right? Anybody that doesn't. I believe in them and with all my heart on a daily basis. If you just simply allow God to work, you'll have a divine appointment every single day. And it just being willing, that's all it takes. So why are we all so scared to do it? Why are we scared to share the Lord? I, again, I, I go back to what the dancers do. Thinking about it terrifies me. You put me in a witnessing situation and I become a wet noodle. I, I'm just, 
It's just not me. I, I don't know how to do it. It terrifies me. And I'll run the other way as fast as I can possibly do it because I'm scared. <sighs> There's no other way to say it. Put me out at the track. I do it every week. Don't ask me why. Okay, so we already read that the fields are white under harvest. Where are the workers? Right here. This is it. I, sometimes I feel funny because don't really reach out to Jewish people there, but I don't care anymore. I have so much fun. I, I, I could tell stories of situations, but we don't have the time for it. But it's so cool to see when God uses me. It's cool for me. And it's cool for you when you see God using you. And whether it's going to New York or dancing or at work, it doesn't matter, does it? I'm interviewing some people for a new job. I, I mean, to hire someone for a new job. And my top candidate, I think I scared away. Young lady came in and she said something. And I said, oh, no. And I, I just took my shot. And I, and I said, well, I'm a believer and that's how I run this business. And she said, oh, so are we. She's engaged to be married. And proceeded to say they were going to visit a congregation that I happen to know somebody at. And I said, oh, here's a name. Wrote it down, gave it to her. Get them to get you in touch with the pastors. Go talk. And she told me she was living with her fiancé. Bad thing. And on my, in my brain, I'm saying, don't say anything. Don't say anything. This is an interview. You're interviewing for a job, and so far she's great. Don't say anything. Well, I said something. I said, okay, we're going to stop the interview for a minute. And I said, excuse me, I'm just going to be a little bit more like a dad for a second. And I said, why are you living with them? And she said she knew it was a sin. She knew it was wrong. And I said, I know you don't want to hear this. I know it's hard for you to hear this. I know your emotions are tied up. And I know the last thing you want anybody to tell you is to move out when you're living with your fiance. And then I said, okay, that's it. And, and I even told her, I said, if I'm wrong, go to these pastors at this congregation and ask them. She says, they'll say the same thing. She knew it. And I even gave her an example of a couple back when I was at Beth Messiah in Maryland that were living together. And we told them, if you want to get married here, separate and they did and they were so happy so short-term hurt long-term gain and and then i said okay back to the interview and she was my number one choice i was i was ready to hire her and i called her to get phone numbers for her references no response so i was really upset with myself and i was kicking myself i guess it was thursday night and uh I, I just said, I blew it. I was unprofessional. And Friday morning, I met with, again, Gary. He's my accountability partner. We meet every Friday morning for breakfast at Chick-fil-A. And he says, I was thinking about it. He said, you know, maybe she needed to hear that more than she needed to work for you. Yesterday, I was sitting talking to John Vandermeer, and he was so cool. And, and I don't, who brought up John 1 today? Was it you? James talked about John 1. Yeah. 
we're, I'm sitting there talking to John. He says, I've got to show you something. I've got to show you. So he goes and gets his Bible out. And he says, you know, this morning, Lorraine, that's his wife, and I were driving, and the Lord just gave me the scripture, and I looked at it. This guy's probably read the scriptures, you know, a couple hundred times through. He says, but it was that one thing that just opened up to him, and it was John 1. And it was the same thing that you said. He said, wait a minute, what was it? It was really cool. Uh, but he said the same thing, that maybe she just needed to, the reason she was there was to hear that. I don't know. I'm just upset because she was my number one pick. <laughs> but in any case, hopefully, hopefully I was ambassador for God. Hopefully I did what I was supposed to do and said what I was supposed to say at that moment. And maybe, whether it was then, because I know she didn't want to hear it, maybe someday or hopefully someday soon, something will click into her and it'll make a difference. So the harvest is out there. We need to go out and do something about it. We're supposed to be ambassadors. We're supposed to do what the Lord did and do even what? Greater things than he did. We're his ambassadors. 2 Corinthians 5, 20 uh, to 6, well, I'm not going to read the whole thing. It'll take too long. But we are therefore Messiah's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Messiah's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So what's an ambassador? I'll bring up a name. It's not my favorite name. I'm just using it because it's a famous example. What's an ambassador? Think about it. Who's an ambassador? Hillary. (sighs) forget who she is think of her as an ambassador she's pretty important i'd say isn't she i mean look at the things that she's asked to do she's trying to bring peace to the middle east i mean that's pretty important stuff whether she can accomplish never mind um an ambassador what do we do as ambassadors of god we speak on his behalf don't we Okay, we represent God. Now, that's the responsibility part because we have to act like we represent God. We're an official of the highest rank. Every single one of us, if we've accepted the Lord as our Savior, then we're an official of the highest rank in the kingdom of God. We're sons and daughters of the king. We have his power of attorney. What we say we bind on earth is bound in heaven. What we loose on earth is loose in heaven. Pretty powerful stuff. We have his protection and his support. And whether it's in my situation where he protected me from harm or where he's protecting us from whatever, we have his protection and support. And one of the coolest parts is we're appointed by him. We have the authorization of the creator of the universe, we have his authority to be his ambassadors. So what are we going to do with this? In Matthew 16, 13, and 19, it talks about Peter, and he says, on this rock, I'm going to build my congregation, and the gates of hell will not come against it. 
We have the protection of God. Hell itself. Sorry. Hell itself will not come against what God has intended for us to do. I mean, this is cool stuff. I, I, I enjoy this. Um, it will not keep us from going out into the world and sharing the gospel of God. Now, some of you are probably quaking about now. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. You know what? This is where the gifts and calling come in. If you do it based upon your gifts, your callings, your circumstances, it's going to happen. And it's easy and it's fun. Uh, when I first put this shirt on, I was as terrified as anything. I, I just couldn't do anything. I was, I'd walk around and I was scared to go talk to people, and I still am. I'm super shy. But I'm, I like to wear the shirt because you know what? It forces me to do what I'm supposed to do. Because if I'm wearing a shirt and I don't do it, then I might as well take the shirt off. It forces me to go out there and talk. It forces me to stop at a trailer of someone I've never met and say hi. It forces me to go out in the staging lanes where everybody is and walk up and down. And some of them I talk to, some I don't. If you do it and you do it within what God, the circumstances God's placed you in, It'll be nice and easy, and you'll enjoy it. Why can you do it? John 4, 4. Greater is he who's in me than he who's in the world. We don't have to worry about what they say about us or what they do. You think I haven't received mocking? Now, some of it's always in jest, but we've been there so long now, everybody knows who we are. And like I said, that guy yesterday... That was one of the coolest things that's ever happened to me, that he knew who I was without the shirt and wanted to know where my shirt was, as though this was my handkerchief or something. You know, it's, but he knows that we're there, and he knows why we're there. Greater is he who's in you. You can do anything through the Messiah who strengthens you. Romans 1.16. Anybody know it? Right, just raise your hand. Okay, there's a few people that know it. Romans 1.16. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. I've tried to hit this from so many different directions. He's given us everything we need to be ambassadors for him. He's given us everything we need for life and for godliness. Our protection, the strength. He, he gives us his power of attorney. He's sent us out. He's given each of us a gift and a calling to, to manifest being an ambassador. All that is there. So what's the worst thing that can happen to you? Now, I remember one time years ago, and this was done in, in fun. Um, and I can't even remember what he said, but I remember I was walking up the lanes at Vandermeer, and I hear my name, and I turn around, and it was a friend of mine. And he was up on a hill yelling at me, and he said something that 
I knew it was in fun. I knew it was in jest. But it just was something against me being a chaplain and God and stuff. And he didn't know any better. I wasn't mad at him. But, I, you know, we get that sometimes. There are people there that don't want us to come near them. And we know who they are. And we stay away from them. You know? If they want us there, we're there. Uh, you know? Usually it's when there's an accident. Two weeks ago... It was a bad one. It was a real bad one. And uh, we were down at the end and were able to minister to the family a little bit. Um, Ken took the family to the hospital. I helped with cleanup and, and getting the nets back up and all that stuff. And there was a young man who, there was two team cars. And the one that wrecked, I was talking to the kid that drove the other car. And just, just, befriending him just talking to him not i never talked to him before in my life i didn't even have my stuff on i had they had just called me to go qualify i had my fire suit on and uh told him that we were going to have a chapel the next morning and we would be praying for him and his eyes i'll be there this guy doesn't know the lord but he came to a chapel service and ken had some bibles he went and gave him a bible and he took it and he sat through the whole Bible service, a chapel service. And it was a strange service because I, I had used some subterfuge since Ken's stepping down. I asked him if I could just run the whole show last week or two weeks ago. And um, instead of just giving the message, and he didn't know it, but I was setting him up. And, uh, but he sat through the whole service and he took it in. And afterwards, Ken went up and gave him a hug. He appreciated so much that somebody cared. And that's what we're all about. That's what all of us need to be all about, is just caring for people. Did he accept the Lord? No. Ken, you know, at, what I was doing, I was setting Ken up for a little party, and I made him cry. And uh, called him up, and we prayed for him, and got some donuts. And just that little stuff. And then everybody came up and hugged him, and he wept just cried like a kid um but did this kid accept the lord no but someone else did and that's it and that that's that gives us the joy and it's there's nothing wrong with being happy when you're part of god's work we don't have to feel guilty i enjoy it when god uses me so what's the worst thing that happened and we are done it says in matthew 5 11 Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Nothing's going to happen. Words aren't going to hurt you. Words aren't going to hurt me. Well, they might hurt me. I'm too sensitive. But, but my final thing is, be bold and be courageous. Let's go out there and be ambassadors for God. Look for it. Look for it. Every morning, look for God to give you a divine appointment. Something. When I pray in the morning, it's not that it has to be this big thing. I love to encourage. I, I'm an encourager. And, and by the way, this is a challenging message. But if you've ever noticed, a challenging message is an encouraging message. Because we've got the plan to get it right. 
I pray every morning, Lord, let me encourage somebody. Let me help somebody. Let me be there. I don't care what it is anymore. I'm too old to worry about it anymore. I just want to do something. And I don't care what it is anymore. Whether it's picking up chairs or whatever, giving a message, anything in between. It doesn't matter what we do. It only matters that we're willing and allowing God to use us to do it. Amen? So pray for me that I don't get a ticket. <laughs> because we're going to try to make it over there and, and uh, have some fun this afternoon. And just by the way, John turns his track over on 4th of July. A part of it is his foundation, family foundation, but also the Rocky Mountain Family Council. And it's totally dedicated to families. It's, well, there'll be 20,000 people there. There's the bouncy fingers for the kids. There's radio stations. There's the racing and a big fireworks program, uh, I think about 9.45 tonight. So gates open about 3 if anybody's interested. So thank you.